Welcome to Stories of Iceland. I am a bit late with this episode. I blame the flu, but it was also quite difficult to write. It stirred up emotions. My supporters on Patreon haven't had to wait as long as the casual listeners, not just because they get this episode early, but also because they got a special episode last month. I reached my first goal of $150 per month, and I hope that others will join in and help me climb even higher. The newest supporters are Matt Hogg, Amy Love, and Emily Harper. If you want to help, please support me on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash stories of Iceland. I'd like to thank all of my supporters, especially Troy Williams, Kristen Rose, and Catherine Matthews, friends of the podcast. Join them at Patreon. And there is always extra material there. But this is Stories of Iceland, and this is episode 27, Avalanche. Iceland is in the North Atlantic. Its capital city is Reykjavik. But this story starts at my home. It was Monday morning back in January 1995. I woke up very cold because I had slept with an open window and snow had blown in and onto my bed. I was 16 in my last year of compulsory education. There was no one else at home. Because I had lived alone most of the time since my sister had moved from Akureyri to Reykjavik to go to university one and a half year earlier. I listened to the radio and there were news that there had been avalanches in the western fjords of Iceland. That is the part of Iceland which forms, to use my usual analogy, the head of the sheep. I don't remember what details there were early in the morning, but I felt drained physically by the cold and mentally by the news. I used my adult-sounding voice to call in sick for school. I had done so before, not just when I wanted to skip school, but also when I was truly sick, because I had no adult to make the call for me. The news became more frightening as the day went by. A large avalanche had hit a village called Sudavik. No one knew how bad it was, but we knew that many people had died. Rescue teams were sent, and the Coast Guard was on the scene. The weather was awful, so the search operations were quite difficult. 23 hours after the avalanche fell, a 12-year-old boy was discovered alive. No one could know it at the time, but he would be the last survivor found. 14 people died, 8 of them children. Of those children... Three were siblings whose parents survived. Everything took on a solemn tone, some that were almost ridiculous. One of the television stations cancelled their usual programming and instead made the odd choice of airing the Mel Gibson movie Man Without a Face. 
My reaction was, as was and is typical of me, to read about avalanches in the past, trying to understand the history. I read about earlier avalanches, which in Icelandic are called snow floods, snjófloth. The worst avalanche had been in 1885 in Seyðisfjörður, which is in the east of Iceland, when 25 people had died. It was a large town in its heyday, but today it is mostly known as the place where the Smyrl Line ferry Norræna stops on its route from Denmark. In the 20th century there had been avalanches in the western fjords, but also in Siglufjörður in the north and Neskupstaður in the east. Earlier in Iceland's history, avalanches usually didn't kill many people at once since there were almost no clusters of houses, no villages or towns, so the avalanches usually just hit one farm at a time. This ties into a very strong memory I have from my early school years when a teacher read to us a story which included a description of a farmhouse being hit by an avalanche, killing the parents and leaving the children orphaned. Not an uplifting children's book. I think I was kind of traumatized by it. The story was in fact strange because mostly people didn't want to talk about avalanches. They just went on with their lives, tried to bury their feelings. Avalanches weren't really the worst catastrophes that could hit. Storms at sea could kill dozens of fishermen at once. People just carried on. Life in 1995 went on. I finished the 10th grade and started what is sometimes called junior college. I was about to move in with my grandparents since the apartment I had lived in was being sold after the bank foreclosed on it. The 26th of October felt like a replay of that day in January. An avalanche hit another village called Flateri in the Western Fjords. It is difficult to explain how dark those days were. If you didn't know someone affected, then you knew someone who did. The country is just that small. My school was a boarding school where teenagers from all over Iceland came to study, and there were people there who were directly impacted. Rescue workers and the Coast Guard were sent to help in unforgiving snowstorms. We watched the news or listened to the radio with a mix of hope and fear. Twenty people died. The last victim found was a one-year-old girl whose parents and siblings had died. I remember someone on TV saying that he felt that it was kind of a relief that he hadn't survived. I remember being so angry hearing that but I don't remember anyone objecting. Another story that I heard later was that one of those killed had in fact been lobbying to change the avalanche preparation plans to include more houses. Before the avalanche hit, he was forced to vacate his own home. So when the avalanche hit, he was staying at a house which was deemed safe by the organizers while his own home was undamaged. After both avalanches, we had something called Samhurirverki. It is a hard phrase to translate. Samhur can mean something like compassion, but it literally means to gather in mind. The second part, Iverki, means something like at work. It was mostly just a telethon, but it really did what it said. Icelanders were of one mind. 
it should also be noted that the people of the Faroe Islands also donated money, which shows how close the nations can be at times. A darker part of how people handled tragedy was the fact that there were jokes being told about the avalanches, often by teenagers, though not around me, likely because of the connection some students at my school had to Flateri. When the snow cleared, both in Sudavik and then in Flateri, you could see the destructive power of the avalanches. You must remember that building standards in Iceland are pretty high. Houses are meant to withstand earthquakes. Even so, these concrete houses were often completely ruined by the force of the avalanches. In Sudavik, 15 homes were destroyed and 29 in Flateri. And you must remember that these were villages of a few hundred people. There were also other houses which were deemed unsafe after further research had been done into the possible channels of future avalanches. If you visit some of the places I have mentioned, Flateri, Sudvik, Siglifjörður or Neskupstadur, you might notice odd structures in the mountains. Those are barriers against avalanches. These have been built in the 25 years since the tragedies of 1995. The fact that there were two avalanches in the same year that killed 36 people forced us out of the mentality of burying everything and just keep going. Instead, people asked, what could we do? In January of this year, 2020, there were news of an avalanche in Flateri. I felt a horrible deja vu. I think it was a couple of hours before we had confirmation that everyone was safe. A teenager had been found alive, wrapped inside her mattress. It was a huge relief. The barriers seemed to have worked for the most part. One house was destroyed, but the worst damage was to the fishing boats in the harbor. The damage to the boat was directly connected to the barriers. They had protected the village but in doing so, the avalanche was channeled into the harbor. A few days later, there was another avalanche, this one close to Reykjavik on Mount Esja. This time, a hiker was buried in snow and later died. It was not the first time someone was killed in an avalanche at Mount Esja. Three years ago, another hiker was killed, and 40 years ago, two people were killed at the same time. From a certain point of view, Asia is the most dangerous hike in Iceland, but that is mostly because it is the most popular hike. This should serve as a reminder that even a mountain that can be climbed by children and the elderly might be deadly. So please be careful, take notice of weather reports and let someone know where you're going. That is it for today. Thanks to Evan Williams, John Helgerson, Austin Yule, Fred Sutler, and all my other supporters. And as always, special thanks to Troy Williams, Kristen Rose, and Catherine Matthews, friends of the podcast. I am Olignis Soliarsson, and this has been Stories of Iceland, episode 27, Avalanche. (laughs) 